0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
1: So, here you are. Too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma umebino, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile? And adds a spring to your step. What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced, Produced by, by Ayan. Don't look too close.
2: Welcome to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR program produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Diaspora Blues also airs Tuesdays at 3.30pm on Radio Skid Row, a community radio station in Sydney. My name is Ayan Shirwa. If you're listening to us live, it is 10th of May. I hope you're warm and snug wherever you are. This week, we're going to be doing things a bit different so our friend and 3 CR presenter and producer, Michele Vesio was kind enough to give us permission to play an interview that they did with Maleka and Falmi. Maleka is a queer, non-binary, mixed-race African-Australian. They're also a singer and songwriter. They spoke to Michele about their queer and cultural identities in the context of disability, illness, ableism, visibility and representation. This interview was part of 3CR's Binary Busting Broadcast, a special seven hours of trans and gender diverse radio in the lead up to the 2021 Transgender Day of Visibility in late March. We hope you enjoy this beautiful interview.
3: And if you just tuned in, yes, you're listening to 3CR's Binary Busting Broadcast, Tongue Twister, and the lead up to Trans Day of Visibility, which is happening at the end of the month. And you're listening to a special edition of Queer in the Air. My name is M.V. And during the break, you heard the track Imagine If You Were Here by my next guest, Malika Malfame. And Malaika is a queer, non-binary, mixed race, African-Australian person of colour and singer-songwriter living on Gadigal land. And they're joining me to speak about queer and cultural identities and how these overlapping intersectional identities are navigated. Thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: I'm really well. Thank you, MB. Um,
3: How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. It's been a wonderful day, so I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the broadcast. And how's things over there in I Here there's been a a massive downpour of rain, and how are you coping with all of that?
0: It's extremely wet, and I love it. I hate the heat, so uh, I know I'm a bad African, but I really, I don't like the heat. I don't like the humidity, so when it's raining and cold, I just... Crawl under my little blanket and enjoy.
3: It's like that garbage song, I'm only happy when it rains.
0: Literally, that's me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me this afternoon. So let's start off with a little bit about your identities. Tell, tell us a little bit more about you and who you are and what you do.
0: Um, well, I'm African-Australian. Uh, my mom is Tanzanian and my dad is uh, from Sydney. I went to an American school in South Africa for about five years um, and kind of grew up all over the world, so hence the little American international accent. But I identify as trans non-binary and use they and pronouns. um, And I've been identifying as a lesbian for years, but that doesn't quite entirely encapsulate my attraction to the large variety of gender spectrum. But um, I guess the T is I, I simply love women. I'm a singer, songwriter, performer, um, and activist, uh, grieving and healing on Gadigalem.
3: And tell us a bit more about the music that you perform and create.
0: Um, Well, I started writing music um, over a decade ago. um, And it kind of just started out as a coping mechanism. I was a young person living with Struggling with lots of mental illnesses, um, and music was something that really spoke to me, and I was able to deal with all that I was kind of living with through music. Um, and so that kind of turned my um, my coping mechanism into my career, which I've been very lucky for. But it also means my music is extremely heartfelt and um, very much um, very personal to me so right now i'm working on my current ep um called yasmin which i'm
3: really excited about well we just got i'd hope perhaps that we got a little bit of a taste of um the music that you perform um in the break with your track which is really quite wonderful i'm, I'm glad i chanced upon it so let's Thank you. Yeah, sort of delve in a bit harder now and talk about how you feel that you belong in sort of typical and non-typical queer spaces when thinking about your intersection so you know when you think about your uh, queer identity and your black identity and we're thinking about Mm. things like accessibility uh representation and and inclusion in these spaces
0: True question it's tough because it's quite rare to find poc queers i think i think it has to do with the shame that has been indoctrinated into our people from you know through colonization, et cetera. Um, but what I find POC queers to hang out with, we hang on for absolute dear life. Because um, most of the time, I spend a lot of time around my white queer friends who, who are wonderful and I love them, but, and they use my pronouns correctly and they understand my identity. Um, I think it's quite a bit painful when, I, when I'm when i around my black friends who I can speak to about So many different things we can talk about—culture and parenting and hair—but I don't talk about my gender and sexuality, um, which which is sad because it's a deeply integral part of myself and something that I find myself talking about constantly. So it it does kind of feel like I'm closeting myself when I'm hanging out with my black friends, and then I'm also recognizing that um, I'm always kind of hanging out with like white queers and it can feel like it can feel like i never really fit like my whole last existence of being mixed race and gender queer it's all about like fitting into these different boxes and i feel like um it's really hard to find community and people where all of your boxes fit into the same one i feel like sometimes i'm kind of splitting between two or three
3: that sounds really exhausting how do you How do you navigate that? How do you juggle all your different identities in these spaces? You said that it was difficult for you to be your true self with your black friends and that you you didn't fill in and perhaps there was a semblance there of othering.
0: There's a lot of code switching that goes on. Like, I'm like, the way that I kind of deal with it is I don't know, it's a bit sad but, you know, when I'm hanging out sometimes with my, like, black friends, I'll just kind of not really talk about my queer identity. But it's okay because I can talk about being black, which is such an important part of my identity. And likewise, of hanging out with my queer friends. It's like, well, I'm going to so- tell this black joke and none of you are going to laugh. Like me and my sister will be off in the corner thinking it's hilarious, but there's a room full of white people just uncomfortable. Um, so it can, be, it can be quite interesting and difficult to navigate. Um, but what's really been beautiful is exploring more Sydney and finding more and more niche communities where like POC Queers kind of exist and we can all kind of find each other.
3: That's so nice that those opportunities can present themselves to you. And when we speak about, we've spoken about how you navigate um, black spaces. Uh, How about the queer communities? How do they understand the intersections of your identities?
0: Well, I think the T is I don't associate with this gay men, white men. I think I just, I simply avoid Oxford Street and that entire community because it is not for me, fam. Um, I have found a group of very, very sweet queer people who um, understand a lot about my identity stuff and, like, don't really quite understand my Black side of things, but they're always they're always they're always here to listen to it and be like uncomfortable and white guilted, um, which you know I'm very grateful and grateful for to have friends like this. Um, I think um, more of where I find CSU um, players and that where where that community is it's definitely um, involved in lots of activism and stuff in Sydney, and that's where I can really find. Um, those people that I absolutely connect with 100% on all these different levels. But um, kind of if I'm circling back to my own personal life and who I really spend all of my time with, um, I was in a lot of different friendship groups um, when I first moved to Sydney about uh, four years ago. Um, and that really, really narrowed down just before, just before COVID in the um, October 2019, uh, when my partner, Yasmin, um, tragically passed away, Um, and the friends that we kind of made together, um, this one group that I was part of, that that I was in and out of with all the other groups that I was in, um, they became my home family, my sanctuary, my safety. They straight up did not leave me alone. You know, as soon as Yasmin passed away, that was... Twenty, thirty, forty queers in my in my house at all times, um, watching movies and crying and grieving. Um, if it wasn't such a tragic and awful time, I mean, I feel like it would have been fun we were all we were all just spending time together and trying to get through the best that we could.
3: Thank you for sharing that with us, um, and also. Uh, sorry for the loss of your partner as well I mean that's so tragic and especially I suppose in the lead up to you know what was what we didn't know was you know COVID coming in and having that support of your queer family is so important it sounds like you have a really wonderful group of people there that uplift you and really support you and see you for who you are so that's a really beautiful position to be in and I suppose something else that you brought up there as well is is, is the grief that you, you that you were experiencing, and how do you how do you work through that grief?
0: I think that lots of different cultures have different ways of coping with grief, um, and I think because I have so many different communities to draw from, I was I kind of pick and chose my favorite bits of grieving and ran mm-hmm. with it. You know, um, like I, I feel like. African people, people of color, can be quite loud about grieving, whereas um, white people can be quite, you know, repressed and like let's not feel this. So I was like, fuck that, let's not do any of that. <laughs> um, let's absolutely feel all of this the way that you know my ancestors would. You know, I cried and cried and cried and felt it and talked to anybody who would listen. If an Uber driver asked me twice how I was doing, I'd be like, sorry fam, here you are, who's my grieving <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, like, being very open about it is something that's really helped me. I mean, my whole album that I'm writing right now, uh, Yasmin, is, is about her and it's about community healing and grief and what you do with all of those feelings. Um, and that song that you played before, I imagine if you were here, is uh, the first song that I wrote for that album. Um, just about, you know, I, it's a song for, for people who grieve in general, just remembering the people that we've
3: lost. I mean, that song has a different meaning for me now that I, I know a bit more of the, the background to that song. Mm. Yeah, that's really powerful.
2: Uh, so we do want to apologise. I forgot to give a content warning earlier on. Uh, Malika shared some profound but also triggering content and I just want to let folks know that if anything they just heard um, was upsetting, they can call Lifeline on 13. 1114, that's one three one, one, four. We're gonna play some quick community announcements and when we come back, we'll hear the second part of the interview. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighborhood or school. It's fast, free and simple.
1: Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday Friday, 9 a.m. to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR.
2: You're listening to Diaspora Blues, a program produced and presented at 3CR Community Radio and also aired on Tuesdays at 3.30pm on our sister radio station, Radio Skid Row. Before the community announcements, we were listening to an interview by 3CR presenter and producer, Michele Vesio. This interview was part of 3CR's binary-busting broadcast special. We now return to hear the rest of Michele's conversation with Maleka M. Falmi.
3: In your previous answer, you spoke about the activism that you're also involved in there on Gadigal Land. What's happening over there at the moment, or what has been happening?
0: Yeah, well, I was really, really sick in the scene um, when I first moved, and when I was, um, and especially, I don't know, 2018, 2019, I was at absolutely every rally, playing at every one that I could. I played at the women's marches for years in a row, and refugee rallies, Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, when Yasmin passed away, I definitely needed to take a step back from activism. I am, I feel a lot, and I feel a lot of people's pain, and I really put myself in a situation that all of these people are feeling all over the world with all of the things that we have to cope with on the daily. And I... Couldn't keep putting myself in these positions of pain while I was struggling so much. So um, I kind of stepped back a little bit, but definitely um, within the last, you know, half a year to a year, I've been stepping back into the scene a little, like kind of dipping my toes back in. Um, it's mostly just uh, just the big rallies that have been going on. Um, you know, we had the um, March for Justice. Recently, that was that was for um, women, non-binary people, trans women in um, in Sydney and all of Australia. And I I think that was, um, went really well. We've got our trans day with disability coming up as well. I mean, there's always so much going on in the community and so much that needs help. It's it's almost difficult to to pinpoint what um, what what I've been doing because there's you know there's always this rally to go to and this thing to share and and this person that needs donations, and you know, you're just you're just in it all the time. Like, I feel like so much of my life is activism, that I don't even really notice it anymore.
3: On that, what what can you tell me about the community healing and the building of? you know, a strong sense of community there, like around the movements for equality and social justice. How has that been like for you? You mentioned the, you know, the community healing when your partner passed away and how a lot of people were involved in there. Does it extend further than that? What have you found has been, what has been something really great about it for you?
0: I feel like because because my person is inherently political, like being black, being queer, being trans, um, I, I don't really get to walk through the world and not assume a political lifestyle because my very existence is political because there are going to be people in offices that don't like that I'm a lesbian, that don't like that I want them to use my they-them pronouns, that don't like that I'm black and will you know, ask for certain rights, you know, like not being arrested and all of these sorts of things. There's people in the world that, that don't agree with my very existence. So it's hard to pinpoint down and say, you know, this this community activism or that community activism has helped me. It's just that we simply have bonded and formed a life around fighting for our lives. And that, you know, (laughs) is cold activism, but it's
2: also just our lives.
3: And it's so true, our, our very existence as queer people. Is, is a political act in itself and to be visible. I mean, this is what this whole broadcast is about, you know, visibility and being mm. out there. I mean, that itself, you know, and not everyone has that opportunity in, in countries around the world where <clears throat> being queer or being trans is, is actually dangerous. Uh, Absolutely.
0: I, um, my home country is Tanzania. Mm. Um, it, it's illegal to be gay there. Don't even think, I don't even think about going home and presenting as trans-like. I go home, I simply put myself back in the closet and then I come back to Sydney
3: where it's safe. That's so intense. I'm sorry that has to be the, your experience for you, but that, that seems to be something that's probably an experience for many people when they go back to their hometowns. I mean, when I go mm. back to you know, my folks' place you know, in real suburbia Sydney, mm. you, know, you tone it down a bit so you don't like, get heckled on the street <laughs> when you're just going to get milk. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, it's, otherwise I'll be safe. It. But yeah, let's look at the redefinition of our queer identities when a lot of the time our, our voices and our visibility is ignored or silenced because we're viewed as ungovernable, because we're going against normativity and usually our identity is erased. <clears throat> and you mentioned that through uh, like colonising practices. So how do you think yeah. that we can redefine this state straightism that um, occurs against queer people and queer identities and so forth?
0: more queer people in power. It's like women's health issues and POC race issues. Just hire more women. Hire more queer people. Hire more black people to speak on the issues that actually affect us. No more of these dinosaur white men standing behind their ancient ideals. Like Last year we saw a real shift in the world that actually had a massive conversation about race with the BLM movement raging all over the world. We need more of that. We need uproar, upheaval, and fucking outrage. More queer black people in political office. More allies speaking out against the system that kills us, and I mean, also simply we could just throw a whole, throw away the whole system and try
3: again. <laughs> I mean, that that would be great, and I do agree. <laughs> yeah, you know, having more people in those positions of, in those really visible positions that can sort of make make a difference, make a, a, a headway, make sort of a, a pathway for these more resistive movements and these more sort of radical leftish movements. I mean, that'd be incredible. So Absolutely. I suppose just to end with, I wanted to ask what has been a positive outcome for you with dealing with these different aspects of your identity. So today we've spoken about, you know, decolonizing practices, um, you know, your interaction between uh, POC and, uh, you know, white communities, but also, you know, dealing with grief and, and mental health and, how has that helped you sort of make this identity of yourself and, and be who you are?
0: A few different things. I guess re-grief and trauma. Um, I uh, I think I mentioned I've been living with mental illness since I was quite young. Um, something this awful, like truly awful happening to you, it mean, meant that I kind of literally had to hit bottom and, you know, I don't know. I spiraled out when Yasmin passed away. And I really hit the, the bottom period of my life and I, you know, woke up in hospital one day and I was like, is this what I want my life to look at like? Is this what Yasmin would want for me? Fuck no, of course not. And I really had this big kind of, you need to turn your life around moment. Um, I checked myself in hospital. I got myself more well and kind of spent my life trying to fight the pain and through that I think I've overall gained a better sense of self. I get I gained a better sense of responsibility and um how much my my voice is needed in the world, not just for trans queer people, um, but literally for for my family, for my twin sister, for um, for my siblings, for my, for my parents. You know, I can't just vanish off the face of the earth. It's, it's, it's not possible. Um, and so, like, being, when I hit that moment, I realized that I needed to come out properly as non-binary. So I've done that now. And I am out and proud. I talk about being black. I talk about being queer. And there's so many positive things that come with that. Like, I can't even tell you, I think the biggest thing is like, I can wear whatever whatever I want. I can't tell you how often um, as a child, I'd turn up to something wearing masks, I'd turn up to something wearing something mask and get off to go change. And it put a burden on my younger self, leaving the house became impossible and clothes are something that it's, it's meant to be, like the first thing in your day, it's uncomplicated. But to wear something, so coming out of non-binary, has been kind of integrals of finding my comfort in the world. I started binding and my clothes fit so, so well and I feel amazing and I feel beautiful and handsome and it's just something that I never really got to do because when I was like eight years old, I used to watch these like makeover shows and wish somebody would come and save me from this daily dysphoria and wardrobe choices and I don't know, I look at myself now and I didn't think that I'd be the hero in my own story, saving myself from the confines of t- traditional gender roles and traditional, any roles. Um, I just kind of, I kind of saved myself and was able to, to move forward and really, really be myself. And by being myself, I, I can see that other people are more comfortable being their self.
3: That's a really beautiful answer. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on Queer in the Air and for 3CR's Binary Busting Broadcast. Really appreciate your voice. And if people want to get more information on your work, you can head to facebook.com forward slash Malaika Music and also via your Instagram handle at Malaika.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, my twin sister and I have just started our own podcast called Womb for Improvement. So if you want to keep hearing me chat about stuff like this, I'll be doing it with my other half.
3: Awesome. Take care. I'll speak with you soon.
2: Thank you so much, honey. That's it from us. You can listen to this episode and all of our previous episodes on our 3CR page at www.3cr.org.au slash diaspora blues.
4: Just protect your brain And I guess the only reason I write this is if I think you should protect your brain This is chestnut checkers, niggas And I'm past all game with niggas And I can't thank you niggas It's black man and I say this because I love you all the death Gotta get five but honestly Patience with this I won't understand the pain you with this Systematically we wake Change name change mind control ain't shit change power to the people I spit, I spit, one two. I need my love, but I need you to Forgive my heart for not being with you. You need to know that I bleed out too. If I could honestly tell you about your loyalty, black woman in fact treated lower than your loyalty. Why shit change? Black life is like a story. Accept my love, but you have to protect your queen. <laughs> oh, yeah. really, really Take ah, yeah, yeah. your queen Take your queen Fireless cast iron We give up some of these heat Some of If I get charged with reason If I get charged with eating If I get charged with eating If I get charged for eating Only for believing And only for season If I get charged for eating. Have a spirit be given True hearts still walk in the dark raised by men but raised by God Raised by stars and olive haas hip slips and kisses from the ancestors If you accept me, kink and oil, coconut oil nine cause I can't be Becky and I don't wanna be Systematic beauty is what you've seen Change your scene if you ain't seen a black queen Walk with wolves, and I beat ways with the back of my thighs Natural anatomy, I naturally block arteries And I can give you a clue as to who would use us If a black queen useless then your black skin useless A black king please Protect your green and black queen, please. Protect your king and black queen, please. Protect your king and black queen, please. Need,
0: Need You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.